Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Good morning, everybody. I'm Michelle Martin. How are you doing, Ryan Huang? Doing pretty okay. How are you doing this Tuesday morning? I am doing really well. I'm really glad that I didn't go on to Carousel to buy those Taylor Swift tickets. How Somebody come? had sent me the link to that. Oh, dear. And it turned out to be a scam. Gosh, um, good for you. Hopefully, the tickets come to you somehow. <laughs> Fingers and toes and eyes all crossed. We begin this morning with a Singapore-listed company, a real estate investment trust that is coming under fire from investors as it faces financial problems. Now, the REIT in question is Dasin Retail Trust. It's portfolio portfolio consists of retail properties in Guangdong, Hong Kong and Macau. Dasin Retail is losing money. Now, this is not something we hear often in the REIT sector. It will not be paying out any distributions to unit holders. In fact, the company lost more than $220 million during the first half of the year. Now, Ryan, Dasin Retail's business is in the Greater Bay of China. COVID-0 policy uh, over in China, ended late last mm-hmm. year. So why is Dasin Retail Trust in the red? Yeah, if you look at it, if you look at the Business Times piece, it looks like a laundry list of problems. I am not sure actually where to start. So let's start with numbers. And you've got net property income down 33.6% to $20.6 million. And as you pointed out, no dividends have been declared. And that's because partly the trust has defaulted on loans worth $910 million. So it is a long list of problems, and as pointed out, it did not benefit, as, at least in the results from the reopening story. Mm. It has not managed to capitalize on it. So it has started to raise many questions from investors, market watchers, and there's a big question mark right now where it's going. In light of the losses, the Securities Investors Association of Singapore, CS, has submitted several questions to Dasin Retail, including why it does not sell off some of its assets to cover its loan defaults. Tell us more. Yeah, so in focus for CS, a lot of issues. You've got one of them, loan defaults. So CS asks, hey, what's going on? Why did you not try to get money to pay back these loans by selling some of your assets to deleverage? and address these defaults. So that is one big question that Dustin is going to face. And the other part of the um, equation is now it notes that the trust is in breach of the gearing, interest coverage, and loan-to-valuation ratios required under its offshore facilities, uh, partly because of fair value changes to Dustin's investment properties. So it's going to be... expecting an answer from Dasin on what it plans to do to refinance both the offshore and onshore facilities, especially with the interest rates where they are right now. So it's going through quite some troubles and it also wants Dasin to provide an update on the proposed sale of Shiji Metro Mall and Xiaolan Metro Mall and any possible updates around other assets it might be selling. So he's asking a lot of questions on his day-to-day operations Mm -hmm. as well as his refinancing plans. 
So Sias wants all the options that are being explored in its restructuring. Also details on who's leading the negotiations, the assets involved and the counterparties as well. Dasin Retail Trust currently trading at around 12 cents per share. It's lost nearly 60% of its value since the beginning of the year. So to what extent are Dasin Retail Trust problems unique to its own business? I mean, do you think that investors need to worry about the financial health of other REITs just yet? Yeah, that's a good question uh, because if you look at the trust, you might be thinking, hey, I'll be looking at a similar story elsewhere because, you know, the Chinese reopening story means exposure as well for other Chinese businesses and this could impact your REITs which have exposure to China as well. But if you look at the list of problems, it does paint a picture that Dazin is underperforming. And among the areas of questioning is... Sias asking the trust to clearly define the roles and responsibilities of its management team, including the CEO of the trustee manager, the CFO. And then there's a long list of stuff along the lines of, hey, what are you guys doing? What's happening on the operational front, the strategic front? So it does paint a picture about Dasin not being effective. So if you try to weigh, is it more Dasin or is it more industry? Mm -hmm. I think you've got a stronger case for Dasin. So it looks pretty contained right now. The Business Times, by the way, is running a great article this morning. You do well to pick it up. It's about how Singapore office REITs are expected to remain resilient despite global headwinds. I want to turn now to U.S. markets where we saw a bounce back from a week in the red to tick higher overnight. The Dow Jones Industrial Average finished up 0.6%. The S&P 500, Nasdaq, they finish in the green as well. Investors are anxiously awaiting new consumer price data. That's due out tomorrow night. They're also turning their attention to earnings and there's a fair amount of concern that this earnings season will not be good for stocks. Why is that? Yeah, a bit of a caveat. Even though green on the screen for Wall Street, it was very small gains. So that kind of reflects the nervousness that markets are having right now and Mm. perhaps bracing for what's to come. You've got a couple of things, inflation numbers and of course the earnings season kicks off in earnest end of the week with the US banks and already expectations are just being lowered. The bar in a sense is lower. And if you look at what they're expecting, a couple of things posing headwinds. Already we are hearing profit warnings and also higher interest rates as among these uh, factors that could weigh on the business optimism going forward. So if you look at the earnings season, you've got a lot of um, expectations that it will be worse than the prior quarter. And if you look at the survey that they did, 42% of respondents believe that the biggest negative for the upcoming earnings season will be the impact of further tightening of financial conditions. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get the CPI numbers and PPI numbers, consumer and producer numbers for inflation coming on board before the earnings season, which will then give an indication to where the Fed might be leaning towards for the rest of the year, whether they need more than one rate hike and whether they're going to keep rates higher. If it does, it could mean more pain or 
pressure on margins for these companies reporting in the coming weeks. Not every company, though, is enduring bad profits. The biggest gainer on Wall Street overnight was a company called Helen of Troy, whose brand portfolio includes Revlon, Honeywell and Osprey. Helen of Troy's shares jumped 18% on the back of strong profit numbers. Still, Helen of Troy officials warn that they are expecting the economy to slow, so there's caution in the wind. Citigroup strategists, meanwhile, think it may be time to put a pause on U.S. stocks. Instead, they're bullish on a couple of other markets. Where are they looking? All right, so a couple of places, and this might surprise you. Look away from Wall Street to places like Europe. Yeah. So this is on a valuation front because, to some extent, Europe has been overlooked in the past year for all the troubles that have been playing out to the point that, hey, maybe it's time to get in on some of the attractive discounts. And it could also benefit from a weaker US dollar. And also look at some of the places like basic resources, industrials, healthcare, media, technology, and telecoms. So these are broadly the areas that City is looking at. Emerging markets, also an attractive proposition, is pushing it up to overweight replacing the UK. And this is on a risk-to-reward profile, also because it might benefit from a USD weakness and a combination as well of growth and materials. Those sectors could benefit the EM space. Mm. Um, Rate cuts down the road could also benefit the emerging market space. And of course, the potential improvement in China sentiment. So that's a big if uh, when that happens. Uh, So they are keeping overweight on China still. Current valuations, they say, provide an attractive entry point. So it really depends on your investment horizon. How long are you going to stick around for these things? All right, it's quite a list there, Ryan. Thanks for that. Let's look at stocks to watch. And today I have an F&B company on the list. They spe- they sell uh, one of my favorite things to eat, spicy falafels, harissa avocado salads, Greek chicken pitas. Can you mm. tell that I went through their menu? And much, much more. Uh, the company is called Kava and JP Morgan thinks it could be the next Chipotle. So why is JP Morgan bullish on Kava? Yeah, so looking at the menu, it does look like it's setting up for a very interesting fight against Chipotle. Very similar. So Chipotle, of course, is the fast casual restaurant chain that is themed around Mexican food. And here you've got a bit of a more Mediterranean feel from Kava. Um, but very similar in terms of the setup. It's you know, built into a system where people just pick and go. And you've got seemingly... Kava coming up at the right time. It seems like people like this um, type of um, business and food as well. So that's one of the, I think, reasons why they are optimistic around Kava. Mm. And if you look at the analysts tracking the stock, uh, they've set it at a price target exceeding the latest closing price of around 39 the highest we have is $50. So looking bullish on the cover stock price. Do you like spicy salads? Not as much as you, I think. Yeah. But <laughs> I wouldn't mind it now and then. So just being able to customize your meals um, as much as I want or as little as I want. Yeah, you, know? you should come to my place. I make some a mean pink harissa salad. Wow, yeah. all right. Yeah, so Kava went public less than a month ago and its share price has doubled since then. JP Morgan is overweight on the stock and it thinks that Kava has more room to run. Time now for corporate news and our daily game of up or down. We're going to start... 
with Twitter. How is it looking? All right, I am not looking at any good news around Twitter these days. And Hanging by a reason, thread, shall we say? <laughs> Hanging by a thread or threads. <laughs> no, 100 million people are on threads right now. That's wow. nearly a third of the US population and many times Singapore's population. So that's the extent to how fast it's been growing in the space of a week or so. People are jumping on threads and to some extent moving away from Twitter. So based wow. on some of the analytics out there, traffic is going down for Twitter. No surprises. People only have so much time. So it's not looking good. Twitter needs to figure out what it can do to bring people back. Yeah, traffic on Twitter reportedly tanking. The CEO of Cloudflare posted an image online showing the drop in traffic to Twitter. This comes as, of course, Twitter faces its competition competition threads, right? The fastest growing app in history. As Ryan rightly pointed out, more than 100 million people have downloaded it. And so, in my book, a big down for Twitter and an up for Threads parent company, Meta. Switch gears now. Let's look at Foxconn. Alright, Foxconn. I am looking at some bad news for India. So, that's a down for India at least. It's dumping a $19.5 billion chip plan. Hmm in what is um, being named the Vendetta Factory. So this was a pact or a deal they signed last year to set up a semiconductor and display production plant in Gujarat. So that is now off the table. They have decided to not go ahead with it anymore. So bad news for India in that sense. And yeah. maybe for Foxconn down the road if they want to continue to be in the good books for, with India. And down as well, perhaps, for Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi's chip-making plans, as well as for Anil Argawal's Vedanta Limited. That's a company that has been jilted by Foxconn in this uh, deal that's gone up. As for Foxconn itself, I think it's a bad look to have this $20 billion US dollar deal to set up the semiconductor and display production plants in Gujarat pretty much go belly up. Mm. Bad look, so I'm giving them a down for today as well. Let's look at ComfortDelGro, Ryan. All right, Comfort Delgro, the transport company, is going into distributing Chinese electric vans in Singapore by the end of 2023. So mm. it's quite interesting. Look, it does look like a typical van and it's EV, of course. So it could be up for putting up for sale or lease by the fourth quarter of this year. So new revenue streams for Comfort Delgro. A subsidiary of ComfortDelGro set to import 100 electric vans from a Chinese company. They're called Chang'an Kuayu, or KYC. It'll both sell and lease these vehicles. Now, I think from an environmental standpoint, this will be an up. Uh, Comfort will be competing with ST Engineering and SMRT, both of whom already offer electric vans here, by the way. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all pans out. Is Comfort a little late to the game? We'll have to see. All right, let's look at Keppel, Ryan. All right, Keppel is enough for me in the news because it's won some contracts, $94 million worth, to provide energy as a service in Vietnam. That's definitely enough for Keppel. For our last word today, let's return to India where tomato prices have risen sharply. In fact, they've risen so much that tomatoes, which are a real staple in Indian households, are more expensive than petrol. So a kilo of tomatoes costs 120 rupees in Delhi. One litre of petrol is just 96 
rupees. Tomatoes have become so valuable. And someone stole about $2,500 worth of them last week in Karnataka. What do you make of this? I am struggling to wrap my head around how tomatoes can cost more than petrol. Is it because petrol in India is cheap or is it tomatoes getting expensive? It's climate change. So there's been a lot of flooding and uh, delayed monsoons, heavy rains, hotter than normal temperatures and all this have affected the growing areas in India. Yeah, and it looks like it is creating quite a bit of um, frenzy online as well. It's the number one search term right now, tomatoes. Think about all the chutneys that need tomatoes that are going without tomatoes in India. Yeah, all sorts of memes are coming out. (laughs) Really? On social media. So you've got tomato prices being compared to this and that and it's five times the usual price. So you can imagine how it might be changing how people are eating as well. Oh my goodness. Think even curry requires tomatoes for the base. So even McDonald's has stopped using tomatoes in India. This is getting critical. We'll keep an eye out on uh, tomato prices in India for you. Thank you very much for joining us. This has been Market View. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Stay with us. More of the show coming straight up. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.